this morning we get to kick off our our sermon series on Get Real. Remember last week we shared with you that our Get Real uh, series that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks includes, well, four letters, but we're going to break them up a little bit more than that. So R stands for Revival and Renewal, E stands for Evangelism and Education, A stands for Accountability to Worship, and the L stands for Living in the New Covenant. So we're going to be talking about those things over the next few weeks, but today we're going to start by talking about revival. But what is revival? It it can sound like a pretty churchy word sometimes. So I was just thinking about it and what it means, what does it mean to revive something? It can mean to to breathe new life into something, or it can mean to to give a renewed energy to something. And I started to think, well, what kind of things need to be revived? The things that need to be revived are either something that's dead or, or dying, at least, or, or something that's depleted, something that's been drained. And I started to think about revival throughout the church setting, throughout uh, church history, even. And, uh, you know, sometimes you hear revival, and at least when I was growing up, I don't know what it was like when you guys were growing up, I wasn't there. But um, when I was growing up, you know, our, our church would have a, a set of revival services sometimes, usually in, like, October. Uh, we'd, we'd have revival services. We'd have a series of consecutive services each night where uh, we'd bring in a, a, an evangelist or a speaker to come and call us back to God, to, to breathe some new life back into our church. Or if you zoom out a little wider in church history, uh, there have been some great revivals that have swept across entire countries. You know, here in America, you think of the great awakenings that took place people like Jonathan Edwards and, and those guys, or the Wesleyan revival that took place in England and, and spread through there. And, and those revivals, they brought new life to the church in those countries. They, they changed the nations where they took place. And I think here in America today, the church in America, the church in the Western world, we need revival. We need new life to be breathed into us. We're not dead, but as a whole, I can't stand up here and say that the church in America is what you would call healthy. Maybe you could say we're, we're mostly dead. Has anyone ever seen the movie The Princess Bride? Anybody? I see all my family's raising their hand. It's one of our favorites. Um, I'm going to show you a little clip from that movie today. Okay, so Ray, go ahead and run that clip. Probably don't need to say, huh? All that 
Okay, Sandy. <laughs> okay, okay, I thought so. Um, so in, in Nehemiah, the people of Israel have come back after being sent off to exile in Babylon. They've, they've been there for years and years, and they got sent there because of their unfaithfulness to God. They had worshipped idols and, and broken the covenant, and God said, enough is enough, and he sent them off to exile. But now the people had been returning in waves like the prophets had told them. Uh, the temple had been rebuilt, but the walls were still torn down. So Nehemiah had requested permission from the king to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls for the sake of his people. So Ezra was a Levite. He was one in the priestly line, and he was a teacher of the law, and one of those people who had come back in one of those waves of returning exile. So... At this point in the story, uh, the walls had been rebuilt, and the people were starting to come back, and, and they were kind of asking the question of, of, what do we do now? And so Ezra was called on to read the law of Moses to the people. So they built a big platform for him to stand on, high enough so that the gathered people all around him could hear, so he could address the people. And Ezra and the Levites, read to the people in a marathon session. They just kept reading the, the, the law to the people. And in Nehemiah 8.8, 8, it says that they were making clear, making it clear and giving the people the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. So basically, they were reading and preaching, going back and forth. They, they would read a passage, they would explain what it meant so that the people could understand. Does anyone know how the people responded? They wept. They wept when they heard the law of God being read to them. They realized, they knew, they saw how the covenant had been broken, how they had broken the covenant. And it grieved them. It grieved them to understand their people had been in exile because of the choices they had made, because they had broken the law. Do you know what Ezra and Nehemiah did? They told him, it, it's not the time to cry. It's not the time to grieve. It's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate. And so they held a feast. They told the people, go back and celebrate. Don't grieve. Because they weren't focusing now on, on how the people had broken the law and how the people had broken the covenant and gone into exile. They were celebrating that God had brought the people back. 
He had been faithful to what he had prophesied, to bring the people back. So they celebrated for a week at some party. Jeremy, you think you can organize a party for the next week for us? All right, he'll get on that. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll send out the details for that. But on the eighth day, the people gathered again. They'd been celebrating for the whole week. They gathered again. They spent a quarter of the day reading the law again. Then they spent a quarter of the day confessing their sin and repenting. They worshipped and they recommitted themselves to God as, as the people of God. After this, they chose who among them were going to live in the city now that they were back. Some people would have to live in the villages, do the farming, and some people were going to live in the city of Jerusalem. And as I thought about this story, I began to think about how it relates to our theme of revival. And I see a few principles of revival here in this story. In this story, revival began with the Word of God. And when the Word of God was brought to the center of it all, it confronted the people. And they saw the truth of it. It was, it was like a mirror. And they knew they were wrong. It, it made them weep. But again, the leaders told them not to weep over how the people had failed, but to rejoice over what God was doing. The people's response was confession and prayer. They repented of their sin. They purged the foreign things from among them so they could be pure, so they could be undefiled, so they could bring themselves back to God and recommit themselves to God and to prayer. And then they reestablished a presence in Jerusalem, the place where God had chosen to place his name, you see. The place where God had chosen to dwell. The place where his temple was. The place where God's character could become the character of the people. And I think this morning, if we want to see revival, we want to see revival our rhythms and our routines. It needs to become a part of who we are and a newer and newer way. It needs to become central in our lives and our commitment to gathering together regularly, studying together in small groups and Bible studies. It needs to become central again in times of preaching and Let 
turn from our wicked ways. We have to repent, turn from the wicked ways, and seek God. We have to turn from the sin, turn towards God, and we have to commit to prayer. Prayer as a response to what we see God doing. Prayer as a conversation with God about what he wants to do. We have to commit ourselves to prayer if we want to see revival come. And if we want to see revival come, we need to place ourselves where God is and where he can form his character in us, where his Holy Spirit can come and put his mark upon our lives. Yes, God is everywhere. That's true. But we need to put ourselves in those specific places where God can use the means of grace to form us, to shape us, to mold us. And we need the Holy Spirit to come and fill us again. We need to let God turn our grief over our past failures into hope and joy in what God can and is doing. In the movie clip we saw, they were, they were trying to say that their noble cause, the reason why Wesley needed to be revived, was because of true love. And if we, if we want to see revival come, if we're going to make the word central and we're going to commit ourselves to prayer, if we're going to put ourselves in the means of grace where God can shape us and form us, we've got to remember it's because Christ is our true love. He's our first love. And we've got to come back to him as our first love. We've got to come back to him as our true love. That's why we pray for revival. That's why we want revival to come. Not just the, the, the around In this 825 congregation, that God would help us make his revival.